0: Try that again. There we go. Good morning, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're here to worship the Lord, but also to to uh, to celebrate His birth. Just um, announcements that I can think of very quickly. Again, next week we will not be having Sunday school, but we will be having uh, worship service as normal time, and we will be having uh, communion. So I want to remind you of that. Um, I don't have any other, well, there are a few things that are not happening as far as no Bible study tonight, we're not having anything this week, during the week, the Wednesday things are not happening, things like that, so just kind of keep an eye on the website, on the bulletins and whatever, or give me a call if you really want to know whether something's happening or not. But um, No other announcements that I have, but Bob had asked for some, some time, and it sounds like he wants you up here with me. Yeah, they're going to, yeah. Come on down. <laughs> I didn't do it. Huh? Well, well you, you stand there and I'm just. Merry Christmas. <laughs>
1: it's my privilege to present this gift to you on behalf of the congregation in recognition of our shared ministry together here at First Church. Uh, we love you. We'll continue to pray for you in this upcoming year and just wish you the best, uh, that uh, best well-being that can. Well thank you. Thank you. We
0: really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. You can you can hang on to it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, it just goes along with the sermon that we've got prepared later, so (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. Our call to worship. I have I know it's it's always a little worrisome when like you go to the cafeteria and it says Chef's choice, it means you're getting leftovers, right? Um, and I, and we, we called the call to worship here this morning, we called it pastor's choice. So you have no idea what you're, what you're getting, right? But it is kind of, in a sense, it's sort of leftovers, but it's juicy, tasty leftovers, if you want to use the analogy. We're going to review, I mean, the last four weeks, uh, we've been talking about the Christmas story. And in in that Christmas story, we've heard Mary say, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We've heard Zechariah say, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. We've heard the angels say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And today we'll hear the the Magi say, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We have come to worship Him. So let those be our words this morning. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Praise be to the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. We have come this morning to worship Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come here this morning to praise You. We come here to to wish You a happy birthday and, and for us to just Celebrate what that means for us. We praise you, Lord. We're here to honor you, and I pray, Lord, that everything that we do here this morning would be to your honor and to your glory. And we just ask you to lead the service. In Jesus' name, amen. And we don't have a... We've got the praise band taking a break today, so we're just going to sing a couple of hymns. We're going to kind of make it like a, a, a Christmas carol hymn sing in a way. So I invite you to stand as we sing... Hymn number 91, oh come all you faithful. 98 good Christian men and women rejoice children to come on up. I've got a story that we're going to read. And I get to check out all these pajamas. And if you'll, you'll come on up, I'll tell you what, if you come up and sit up there, the rocking chair is for me. <laughs> and you guys have your pajamas. I couldn't wear my pajamas, but what I'm going to do... Must have been just the way I'm. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and see, he's like Santa Claus. He comes and he gives it. No, just cool. Okay, so let's try this again. We're going to read a story. Now you can watch me with the book. I'll have the pictures here in the book, or we're also going to ask the adults. They get to follow along too. They're going to watch the pictures up on the screen. Okay. So the story is called "The First Night." Yes. Go ahead. Bye. Hennessy, yep, by B.G. <laughs> Hennessy. Okay. So the first night. So, at the edge of an old and crowded town, <clears throat> there was a field. In the field were two shepherds with their sheep. Yeah, with their sheep, yeah. As the sheep slept, do you think they snored? No, no. Sheep don't snore. As the as the sheep slept, a star moved across the night sky, and the star settled over a stable in the town below. And in the warm, dark stable, there was a lamb. There was a cow too. <laughs>
1: and
0: and there were piles of crisp yellow hay. <clears throat> Lantern light shone softly from a rafter above while a donkey slept in a corner. <laughs> there was a mother, a father, and a baby. And the baby lay on a bed made of hay. Do we think we know who that mother and father might be? Um, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, very good. Yes. And who's the baby? Jesus. Very good. I'm so <laughs> Yes, you are, so nailing this. <laughs> the, <laughs> the baby was seeing this world for the first time. So when he looked up, he saw the swaying lantern like those like those lights he saw something like that swaying he saw the donkey over in the corner and he saw the woolly lamb he felt the night air he felt his soft blanket he felt his mother's arms and he felt his father's hands And in that warm, dark stable, his life began. It's the end of the story. Should we say happy birthday, Jesus? Happy birthday, Jesus. Uh, All right. All right. Thank you. And it sounds like you're going to go kind of have a party. Cool. You're going to have a birthday party for Jesus. Go have fun. (laughs) Merry Christmas. You got, wow, you got cool toys. I feel like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed the story as much as they did. Very good. good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And we'll take time now to, uh, to lift up prayers and uh, prayer requests and praises. Lots to lots to uh, to praise, but do we have any specific specific praises? Any any prayer requests? I guess this is both. I want to thank everybody for your prayers and expressions of support during my hospitalization this week, and on Tuesday we have our first. Follow up appointment with the surgeon who worked on me in the hospital, so we should know more after that. Okay, we are very glad to to see you here this morning. Yeah. Dave,
1: uh, just very thankful for Christmas morning, you know, with the kids and them waking up and seeing their
0: presents and everything. It's just yeah. a beautiful time of the year. Just very thankful, very yep. blessed. Yep. any others? I know there's, even if they're unspoken, there's praises for family and so forth. Yep.
1: Yes, I'm praying for a daughter in North Dakota and hope she's doing okay.
0: (laughs) Yes, okay. Right in front of you, John.
1: Nice to see all the visitors here today. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, and I think, as I was starting to say, I think a lot of the visitors are family members, and that's just the other wonderful thing about Christmas, how we get together for, as family and have the opportunity to, to enjoy time together. And it is great to see very familiar faces. Any others? Okay, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this new day. We know that each day is a gift from you. We thank you that we have the opportunity to gather as a Christian family to celebrate Resurrection Day. But today we have the unique privilege of celebrating Resurrection Day on your birthday as well. And so, Father, we're just so thankful that that you sent a part of you to be with us, that you revealed yourself to us on this morning. We're just so thankful that you came and dwelt among us, lived with us, became human, to relate with us. But not because you couldn't understand us, it helped us better understand you. We thank you for the way you provide for us. We lift up these These prayers, probably unspoken prayers, were lifted. We ask you to hear them. We know that even though this is a time of joy and a time of family gatherings, we know that some people find this day to be a little little sadder than others. And we just ask you to comfort those people. We ask you to heal those who might be sick and not able to enjoy this day. And we also thank you for the way you have healed and the way you have brought people through their sicknesses and their surgeries and so forth. Father, we do pray for clean bills of health for those who are waiting on, on results and for those who need further treatment. We pray for your healing hand and for your guidance and watch over the specialists, the doctors, the nurses who take care of us. Father, we thank you for providing for us all through the week. We ask you to accept our offering As a token not only of our appreciation, but also a token of worship, we ask you to accept it and to bless it and to use it in your way to further your kingdom and to further your church. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We can continue now. Let's sing hymn number 102, and you can can remain seated if you like. Let's sing hymn number 102, What Child Is This? It is Christmas morning, and I don't want to rush it, but another Christmas season has passed after today is over. Stockings that were hung by the chimney with care have been ripped down and emptied, and now the chimney is bare. Those beautiful live Christmas trees are starting to change tree skirts from white or red to pine needle green, and all of us have probably heard every possible rendition of Baby, It's Cold Outside. So Jesus has been born, the shepherds have come and gone, they're back in the fields humming while shepherds watch their flocks by night. The angels have all gone back home, and that little drummer boy is done parumpa-pumming. So this morning, we're going to wrap up this season, this Christmas season, by talking about We Three Kings of Orient. Let's take a look at the biblical story that prompted the Christmas carol that we all know and love. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews?' They returned to their country by another route. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find in it. Father, we ask you to help us to hear this story that's so familiar, but hear it in a new way this morning. Father, use me as your instrument. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story starts off talking about magi from the east. So who are these guys? Well, first of all, they, there were probably more than three of them, I'm just guessing, and they didn't necessarily come from the Orient or what you might think from the Far East, like China or Japan or something like that. And they, they weren't kings, but nobody's going to change the song to We Bunch of Magi from Persia are Calling them wise men is okay. They were definitely considered to be knowledgeable, but I'm not sure how wise they were, and we'll see why in a minute. Because magi were astrologers. They were pagan astrologers, Gentile astrologers. They were highly respected in other cultures as fortune tellers, basically. And magi would be part of the king's staff. Every king wanted to know what his future held. In fact, magi were usually the ones who declared new kings. They knew what the future held. So if a magi said you were the new king, everyone hailed you as the new king. And everyone in the ancient world knew that the best astrologers, the best magi, lived in the east. These guys were probably from Persia, modern-day Iraq. Now, all of this praise and respect For magi is from a pagan perspective, of course. God forbids any type of fortune-telling that's not prophecy from him. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 11, he he tells us, "'Let no one be found among you "'who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire.'" They actually did that sort of thing. "'Let no one be found among you "'who practices divination or sorcery, "'interprets omens, engages in witchcraft.'" or casts spells, or who is a medium, or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Isaiah told us, You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. And in Isaiah 47, verses 11 through 15, The prophecy came out. Disaster will come upon you, and you will not know how to conjure it away. A calamity will fall upon you that you cannot ward off with a ransom. A catastrophe you cannot foresee will suddenly come upon you. He's talking about what astrologers and what these fortune tellers claimed to be able to do. Keep on, then, with your magic spells and with your many sorceries, which you have labored at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed, Perhaps you will cause terror. All the counsel you have received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Surely they are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire to sit by. That is all they are to you. These you have dealt with and labored with since childhood. All of them go on in their error. There is not one that can save you. It's God's words to to Babylon are these warnings about or against the sorcerers and against witchcraft and against fortune-telling. But they're part of our story. So, so what are we supposed to do with this? These guys are pagans. They're fortune tellers, like the people today who read palms, tea leaves, tarot cards, crystal balls. They would be like the guys that put your horoscope in the newspaper, right? Everything they do professionally goes against God's will. And yet they fill a, a prominent spot in our nativity scenes. What's that all about? Does this mean that we should visit the nearest palm reader or psychic? that we should start paying attention to our horoscopes in the newspaper, that we should give credence to the fortune cookies we get... Quick tap, there we go, there we go, okay. So, we bought Chinese the other day, and Vicki opened up hers, and it says, an unexpected check or fortune will arrive today. Do I look any richer to you today than I did the other, no, it, it didn't work, so, just like we said, I'm not, and I'm not going to put this back in my pocket, okay, I'll just put it up here somewhere. Our son came. Okay. Well, no, 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 that ruins the sermon. Stop. <laughs> so, anyhow, we don't want to give credence to our fortune cookies. Because we're human. We have a sinful nature. We're vulnerable to temptation. We're vulnerable to believing this sort of thing. We can't handle it. But God can. Here's where I'm going with all this. We know that what what man intends for evil, God can use for his good. There was a professor that I had down at seminary, Dr. Palmer. He was a a pastor for many years. He was a therapist and counselor for a, a whole lot more years. He grew up in a home that practiced witchcraft. Now, I remember visiting my grandparents once a week when I was growing up. We would play cards. We would play board games. We'd eat ice cream. But Dr. Palmer's family would get together once a week and engage in seances He has a very dark story to tell but he will also tell you that God used a Ouija board to save him. What man intended for something very dark and wicked God used for Dr. Palmer's salvation. Now these magi in our story don't sound evil. They don't look very evil in the little figurines that we have but they were practicing divinations and that's a sin. And yet God used them for Mary and Joseph's good. And we'll see how in a little while. The Magi have read the stars, they've referenced scripture, and they knew that the king of the Jews had been born. And so they've come to worship him, and probably to declare him as the new king. They're putting their good housekeeping seal of approval on him. If they say he's king, then he must be king. So they go to Jerusalem first because that's the capital city. That's where you would expect to find the king. And they did. They found King Herod. Now this visit disturbs King Herod. But verse 3 has something interesting. I'm sorry, I'm going off the cuff. Can you, would you be able to go back and bring up just verse 3 that we just, we just read? Verse 3. Because it tells us something interesting. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. But look what else is behind there. And all Jerusalem with him. Well, we know why King Herod is disturbed. Thank you, thank you for doing that. We know why King Herod is disturbed. Rome had declared him to be the king of the Jews for the last 40 years or so. But why is all of Jerusalem disturbed with him? Well, first, there are some of the religious elite who owe their power to Herod, right? If he goes, they probably go with him. And the rest of the people are probably just worried about how Herod's going to react. He's already proven himself to be paranoid and just plain nasty. He killed two wives, at least three sons, a brother-in-law, and some other relatives. So when the people hear that Herod's throne might be challenged, they're probably worried that he's going to go off the deep end. But Herod is disturbed by the presence of these magi. They didn't go unnoticed, and there were probably more than three of them. They probably had an entourage that included soldiers and assistants and so forth. So Herod gets his chief priests and teachers of the law together. It seems they know all about what's going on. They quote scripture to tell Herod exactly where this Messiah was to be born. You know the story, so I'm just going to skip over it lightly. But I do want to point out one thing here. The Jews, who so desperately wanted a Messiah, they're not really doing anything. They've been told about his coming, but they aren't watching for him. The pagan stargazers, these Gentile Gentile magi, aren't just watching for him. They're searching so they can worship this Messiah. Now, worship probably in the sense of bowing to the king and paying him all the respect and tribute that his office deserves, not necessarily worship the way we worship in our praise and and glorifying and so forth, or at least the way we're supposed to do it. It begs the question, what kind of worship are you giving the Lord? Just the respect and knowledge of his power or praise and glory in his name? We like to kid around about how our churches will fill up with people who only attend on Easter and Christmas, but perhaps we should think about this a little bit. They come for a purpose. They come because it's a special occasion. Like the Magi, maybe they don't even believe that Jesus is their king, but they know there's something special about this birthday. Do we come with the same attitude? Because it's a special occasion? or just because it's another worship service that we know we should attend. I pray that Christmas never becomes so routine that you can't recognize it as a special occasion. But let's get back to our story here. We, we see that Herod gets some specific information from the Magi. He asks, when exactly did you see the star? That's because it didn't happen just yesterday. The Magi had to travel probably 750 to 1,000 miles, and remember they have an entourage, so it probably took them three or four months to arrive in Jerusalem. And then we, we see that these magi don't know everything about the future. Herod tells them to report back when they find the king, because he wants to worship him, and they believed him. But we know that they're warned in a dream not to go back. They follow that star again, they find the baby, which brings us to the second key component of this story. This story is all about magi and gifts. We're very familiar with receiving gifts, aren't we? We woke up this morning with gifts under the tree, probably, right? And hopefully you got something that you put on your Christmas list. By the way, I've got a story about a boy that was putting together his Christmas list He was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents he wanted. He writes, Dear God, I've been good for six months now. But he thought about the statement a little bit, and he erased the six months, and he wrote, Dear God, I've been good for three months now. And after a pause, he erased again. (laughs) And he wrote, I've been good for two weeks. Uh, he paused, raced again, and as he was thinking, he's looking around, oh, he got an idea. Ha, dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> but that's not the way to get any gifts, for sure. He missed the point. God doesn't give us gifts because we earned them or because we deserve them, God gives us gifts because he loves us. So Jesus got some gifts that first Christmas morning, if you remember. Verse 11 tells us they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we talked about these gifts last night. Gold is a precious metal, frankincense is a perfume, and myrrh is an anointing oil. Now there's some symbolic reference to these gifts, but this morning I want to talk about the the, the physical um, relevance. Gold is a precious metal. It's a gift for a king. Frankincense is a gift for a priest. It's sweet perfume that's used in temple sacrifice. And myrrh is a gift for someone who is going to die. On the third day after Jesus' crucifixion, the women brought spices like myrrh to anoint the body of Jesus. But they have very practical relevance, too. They were all very expensive. They had a high street value. So what's a baby going to do with all this expensive stuff? Is he going to start a college fund? No. What's the next thing that the family does after the Magi leave? An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and tells him to get out of there. They're supposed to escape to Egypt. Now, when they packed for the trip to Bethlehem, they expected to be there for a while, but they expected to come back home to Nazareth. They don't have the resources to travel to Egypt. Oh, wait a minute. Now they do. Gold will spend in any town, right? Right? Remember how I mentioned earlier that the Magi were practicing sinful divination, but how God would use it for Mary and Joseph's good? It's entirely possible, I believe, that the, ma- that the main reason, or a good reason, that the Magi visited Jesus was to p- supply provisions for the family's trip to Egypt. I don't think the Magi were traveling all that way just carrying three gifts that are mentioned. If we look at verse 11 again, which you don't have to do. (laughs) Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. It, It sounds like these guys were traveling with all kinds of valuable stuff. They had a whole bunch of wonderful treasures. And that's how I want to wrap up this sermon and how I want to bring it to us home, bring it home today. Because I want to talk about a whole bunch of wonderful treasures and the gifts that we have received from them, Vicky and I have found this congregation to be very full of wonderful treasures, and we've received so many gifts from them. Well, first of all, thank you very much for the gift that was presented this morning. We also, of course, appreciate all the dinners that we received in October and all the gifts that we've been receiving this month—the chocolate-covered peanuts, the opera fudge. It's starting to show. Um, soaps, whatever i, I shouldn 't list because i 'll probably forget something and it 's not fair we, we thank you very much for all the all the gifts that we 've received, and we thank you also for the use of the parsonage it 's a beautiful home with a lot of character <laughs> yeah, what she said it 's good to be home, but there 's also a lot of other treasures that I want to mention as well, and that 's you guys, Gloria. Um playing our organ we've got hello um, there I am okay okay i got i won't the orchestra <laughs> our praise band, um the guys back on the board our our nursery. People, our Sunday school teachers, um, you know, the people on our, on our board, on our ministry council, um, just so many different people that are so visible, but also the people who are in the background as well. Sharon with our flowers, um, Donna who does our decorations, the keks. You don't see them, but they're the ones that keep this place clean. You know, they're, they're here during the week keeping this place clean. Ginny as our secretary, the SOS group who just by nature want to stay behind the scenes, anybody who's been in charge of any committee or commission. And just to just to summarize, anybody who shakes my hand on the way out on Sunday morning and all of you who who log in on Zoom, you're all treasures to us. And so I just want to say thank you very much to First EC for all the love and care that we've seen already in just the first Six months of our time with you. You are certainly a real treasure to us. Merry Christmas. Let's stand and sing our final hymn number 116, We Three Kings. back out into the mission field. May you go with hope, peace, love, and joy in your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.